0: This is Commerce Shannigans, episode 580, spotlight on Solo, a Star Wars story. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 580. It's our spotlight on Solo, a Star Wars story. And, uh, fittingly enough, I am Solo today. This is Adam Chapman, your host. Uh, our, our scheduled, uh, co-host for this episode was supposed to be i uh, t mate. Uh, but there is, uh, unfortunately, some complications, uh, after we saw the movie and we just weren't able to, uh, sit down and discuss the movie together, unfortunately. So this is, uh, I am, fittingly enough, Solo. Um, so this was, uh, you know, an interesting movie, um going into it i don't think a lot of people had high expectations there was a lot of drama about the about the movie it took a long time before anyone was kind of Seeing anything coming out of the movie in terms of uh, what it was going to look like, uh, so there was a lot of questions uh, along that score. So there was definitely a lot of uh, curiosity. We had uh, a shift in the uh, director of the of the movie. Uh, the original directors were fired. There was a you know bit of an issue with vision, I guess. And then they brought on Ron Howard, who I mean, if you want a a director who's stable and has a good presence and you know really um, seems to be you know a, uh, someone who people get along. Very easily with as, as a director uh, and has a good pedigree i don't think you can you can really uh, find anyone better than Ron Howard uh, in that respect, so I think he's very kind of uh I, calling him a workman I think is a disservice to him because he does have an amazing vision but so they bring him on to direct this movie, and so you know again there's there's issues behind the scenes because you have um, you know the original doctor is being fired. You have you know maybe issues over the script. We're not really sure. Um, I don't I don't know of the main actor. I guess Alden is his name. Uh, really coming from I don't recognize him from anything. I'm sure if I looked him up, I would be able to see exactly what he's done, but uh, I didn't have a chance to do that. Um, but so I mean, you have kind of some unknowns. You have some known quantities. You have Emilia Clarke, who's really well known uh, for being in Game of Thrones, as well as other movies, including the uh, ill-fated ter- Terminator Genesis. Uh, you also have um, what else you have you 've got Woody Harrelson who's really making a name for himself uh, or, or remaking a name for himself by kind of being everywhere. And then you've got uh, 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 Donald Glover. I I always want to say Don Glover because of an interview he did a few years ago, uh, and he's on here as well. And you've got some good names, and then you have kind of more of an unknown in the lead role, which is interesting. Um, So there were a lot of questions on whether or not this was going to be a good movie. Um, There was questions on whether or not it was going to work. Uh, Was this going to be the first kind of um, Disney-run, you know, Star Wars flop? Uh, No one really knew what was going to happen There was a lot of, you know, curiosity And so I went into it with some trepidation Uh, I wasn't really sure if I was going to enjoy it or not And I really wasn't sure about the trailers And, um... You know, and I, I don't know what Tibor thought. I it with him, but we uh, we have an agreement always that after the uh, movie, we, we don't chat about it till the podcast, and then right at the last minute, we weren't going to be able to record, so uh, through, um, so then it just didn't work out, so I don't really know what he thought of the movie. I'm sure he's going to tell me when I have a chance to talk with him. Part of the reason why this episode is going to be a little shorter than normal is that I'm kind of running short on time myself, because I'm, uh, I'm about to uh, flee, the, flee the coop, uh, or... Fly the coop, fly the coop. Uh, I'm taking off. I'm uh, leaving, leaving Toronto for the weekend, and going up to Phil- or down to Philadelphia, I should say, to watch the Blue Jays play the Philadelphia Phillies on the road, which is probably going to go very poorly for the Blue Jays. And it looks like I'm going to get lots of uh, thunder showers as well. But um, so uh, this episode's a little shorter, and that's why it's really just me, and we didn't really have time to kind of sit down with keyboard and make it work uh, like we normally would. And I actually saw it on a Thursday night, which is again different because usually I would see it on a Friday night. Um, so, what do I think of the movie? Um, you know what? I liked it. I, I, I kind of went through it, and I, I wasn't really thinking too critically throughout. And I was like, you know what? I think it, it, it you know, it told a story. Um, I don't like. I don't know if all of it necessarily drives perfectly with the solo that we know. I the one thing I really did piss me off is the fact that it, you know Hans Solo is not his real name. Uh, Hans is his real name, but not Solo, and that Solo is just kind of a name that's given to him. I that bugged me. Um, I don't know why. It just feels like a needless element to, to put in there, and uh, yeah, that I found that very irksome. Uh, other than that, I mean, you know, I, I thought it was, an, it was a rousing, kind of enjoyable uh, story. You know, it's a, it's a heist film. Um, you know, it's a you know, it's, it's the dark belly of the Star Wars universe. Does everything work? No. Um, some stuff are just weird. We have a variation in the opening crawl. I feel like if you're going to do an opening crawl, just do the opening crawl. It feels weird to have a different format of that, of trying something a little bit different. So I can't say I love that, um, but I mean, all the, uh, most of the supporting players were very enjoyable here. We have a, a new droid to love, although, uh, she kind of got dispatched a lot faster than I expected. Um, you know, I, I, after Rogue One, you know, had a, had a lovable droid, we kind of got another kind of lovable droid here and a very interesting character, very, you know, clearly uh, drawn out in terms of her personality. Um, and being kind of a, a droid revolutionary was interesting, uh, definitely, you know, Pushing the boundaries and doing something different with a droid character, I thought was interesting uh, and enjoyable to see. Um, if I had to put anything, I didn't really like. One thing that didn't jive with me throughout this entire film was Amelia um, Clark. I'm not a fan. I have never watched Game of Thrones. I know, gasped. Um, I've never watched it. I watched Terminator Genesis, and, and that I thought she was outmatched. Um, I mean, not that, um, I can't remember his name, but Kyle Reese was not well acted in that movie, but she didn't do a great job of portraying, um, I was going to say Linda Carter, but, um, I meant obviously, um, oh my God, now I forget. uh, anyways, John Connor's mom. And I can't remember the name, which is Sarah Connor. Oh my God. You'd think I remember something so iconic. Um, I don't think she was really great. Sarah Connor. Um, it's interesting because I think she would have been fine as the kind of like a, I guess the Linda Hamilton in Terminator 1 Sarah Connor, which is fine, but the way that they have the character, she's supposed to be a little bit more badass than that and much more because she's kind of raised in the life. And so she should feel more similar to the raw energy that Linda Hamilton brought to when she was... um, uh, you know, the, the Sarah Connor in, in T2. And we just never got that. Anyways, I was very let down. And that's my main, my main interaction with her as an actress and, and seeing her on screen. Um, so seeing her here didn't really do a lot for me to think that she's that great. Um, I was, again, a little disappointed. I I found she was a little flat. I don't know if she brought quite as much kind of mystery or, uh, or menace or anything. I, I just felt like she kind of uh, sleptwalk through the role. I don't think that she had a real presence. And I think she needed to. I mean, as the character who, you know, is the original motivation for Han to to, co- to go back to where he's from and, you know, and, and save her, it's interesting to kind of, again, see the heroic tendencies that are there that eventually over time will, you know, kind of go go away from the surface a little, but will uh, rise up when he's part of uh, Star Wars uh, New Hope as, we, as he kind of rediscovers that good man inside. Um, it's, it's just interesting here that, you know, they, they give... Uh, kind of a reason for him to be a hero or have a positive reaction. Um, but I just felt like she didn't imbue the role enough considering how important it is. I mean, you have to understand that like Han would do anything for this person. He's, he's going to go back to a place that most people would never go back to, to rescue someone because he has a debt that needs to be paid to a friend and someone he cared deeply for. Um, that, that's, you know an interesting motivation. I like it. It's you know not the most original, but um, again, it gives him a definite character arc. and then the way that it goes here, I just I, I don't think she works. I don't think she, as an actress is able to do for the character what the character needed her to be able to do, uh, especially at the end, because you know the character ends up you know being taking over a position. Uh, in now uh, the name escapes me, but uh in this criminal organization, which is cool, but again i don't buy her doing that i just i don 't buy her anyone taking her seriously, like everyone kind of plays around like and acts like she's more more intimidating than I. Can take her seriously for because I just don't find that they've written her that way or that she's able to inhabit the role that way. I should say they write it with a lot of ambiguity. Like there's a lot of room for the character to come alive based on the portrayal by the actress by being able to really flesh out what they're doing here, uh, flesh out the script because the script at times is a lot more on the charm of the actors or or you know or you know, trying to build on that. Like if you're actually to look at the script, it's not a super dense script. I would say a lot of the star Wars movies aren't, um, but it's, you know, they're a little bit breezier and it's about character work that you get for all the little things that actors can bring to roles. And I just, I never really bought her in the role. Now let's talk about Alden as Han Solo. I think he did a good job of kind of skating that line between, you know, kind of, um, paying homage, oh, sorry, homage to, uh, Harrison Ford and also doing his own thing and developing the character in his own way. Um, you know, he's kind of a gruff character at times, which is, you know, in keeping with the Han, with the Han Solo we know, but also kind of has that gooey interior, uh, which over time gets, you know, harder to find. But um, I, I liked how he portrayed the character. I liked um, some of his physicality in the role as we see him becoming more comfortable being a smuggler, um, the relationships he builds both with Chewie And uh, with uh, uh, Beckett, um, which I liked. Um, I love Woody Harrelson. I mean, whenever he shows up anywhere, he's just fantastic. Um, I'm just so impressed by how he's been able to carve out all these different versions of characters. Uh, last year when he was in War of the Planet of the Apes, uh, and then his portrayal here, he gives a, n- a nicely nuanced pr- portrayal with a lot of different facets, and it makes the, you know, the surprises with the character You're never really sure exactly what he's going to do. Uh, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he just you know kind of looking out for number one, uh, or is there something more going on? And I like how he plays that character quite nicely. Uh, so he was, he was great. Uh, again, Han was, was enjoyable. Uh, Chewie's great. Um, the only thing about the idea that he wants to find, you know, his tribe or his family, and then I guess never does, or, like he finds one here, and then we never really hear anything more about it, is kind of like a weird of missed opportunity unless they, you know, in sequels they want to kind of show them hunting for trying to find more Wookiees, um, which would be fine, but, you know, they don't really do much with it, so they introduce this idea, and they have that moment where he's with that other Wookiee, but then they kind of drop it. For most people coming into the movie, I think the uh, the, the the people the, the thing people were most looking forward to was seeing Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian, and he still on screen. He's super enjoyable. Um, every every time he's on screen, it feels like he just steals the show. His character has so much a pizzazz, so much style and swagger. And that's why it's kind of interesting him playing up against Han because this is a a younger version of Han but who who doesn't really have a lot of personality of his own yet. Like, he's still kind of figuring out who he is, but this is Orlando who knows exactly who he is and very much feels like a younger version of the Billy Dee Williams character in a lot of ways. Um, Again, and it's... The only thing that I found really weird and bugs me is is just how pristine and clean the Millennium Falcon is compared to when we see it later? Like, obviously, it's aged and it's been like many, many years. But like, it almost just makes it look like Han does not give a like an f about his ship because it just looks like garbage in comparison. And I thought that was a weird choice. And I oh, I thought that was a weird choice from the minute we saw the first trailer. It was just like it looks too clean. It looks too pristine. What the hell did did Han do to that ship? I mean, obviously, it goes through a lot over the years, but it just felt like the inter- like, usually we see the, exter- the exterior going through a lot of bad things, not usually the interior, and the interior just looks like garbage in comparison. Like, I like the original look, but when you see this super clean, you know, I, I don't want to say the JJ-verse version, but like, you know, I think you understand my what I, my meaning. It's super clean, super bright, and then we have the more kind of dungy look that we see in A New Hope. It just feels like they didn't have to do this. Uh, they're making an issue where they don't have to. Speaking of making an issue, and so I didn't have a chance to talk about it with c afterwards, and I haven't looked online to really find out more about it. It, but um, so Darth Maul shows up, and that was kind of a big surprise. Um, and I, from the vague memories I know of, I know he survived, and I know that I believe he became a criminal at some point. So I guess they're kind of establishing that here. But I feel like if, unless you know that, unless you've watched, I guess, the TV shows where that's been true, then I just feel like this is kind of like a what? Um, because. Obviously, we already know the Empire exists and there's Stormtroopers, so it's post-Episode 1, at the very least. Well, it's post-Episode 3, really, uh, because there's Stormtroopers and an Empire. Um, So it just feels weird to, you know, introduce Maul, and for what? Like, are we going to see future movies where Maul's there, and that actually will end up meaning something? But then, I think eventually he dies against Obi-Wan in a a rematch at some point. I could be completely wrong, Um, but I feel like that's what happens, so... I just feel like, what was the point here? Are you setting something up? Or are you not? Like, what, how, what does this mean? And I guess for a lot of things in this movie, like, is it going to set up something? They spend a lot of time on the, uh, the dice that have been hanging in the Falcon forever. And that's okay. I, I, you know, I, I didn't need it there. It felt like a little, you know, uh, this is a way to draw a through line and something that mattered to him. But then, you know, does it only matter because of her, and you know or like who he was like he gets them back because of her but does it you know it it just it was a weird sentimentality that i don't know was necessarily well placed um but i enjoyed the movie it was long but you know I had some good a lot of good sequences um that felt very star wars i mean a lot the whole everything that they were doing about um the castle run felt very much like was pulled from Empire Strikes Back. I mean, almost too much with the giant space creature. And I would say, oh, that's a little much, but then you remember that they were in a giant space creature in Empire Strikes Back, so it's really, there is a precedent um, for, for that type of thing. Um, I like the idea that the, um, was it, L3? And it lives on inside the Millennium Falcon. I thought that was interesting, uh, which I mean, again, it was interesting, but it adds an element that has never been mentioned in any way before and just feels extra. Um, I did like the comments about you know, about you know, driving him another man's ship and getting it wrecked. Uh, especially considering when Lando gets to pilot the uh the Millennium Falcon again, uh in in episode six, he does, you know definitely put some wear on it um which i thought was interesting um no like i so i i dug this i liked the first meeting between han and uh, Chewie. i thought that was played pretty well um i mean the minute you know that he's going to be confronting like the beast you you know where this is going to go uh, i liked how they developed their relationship i like the idea that we actually actively see han speaking wookie i thought it was cool um how he you know as he as he learns more about um Chewie was definitely interesting. Like they, you know, they kinda of do mention that bad things happened to the Wookiees after uh, Empire took over. Um, so again, kinda of solidifying the timeline and, and what happens because we definitely saw uh, the Wookiees in episode three. We saw Chewbacca specifically with Yoda, which I always thought was, you know, making the world too small. It uh, didn't need to be Chewbacca specifically, but I understand why they did it. Um, I liked seeing Chewbacca be a lot more physical than we've ever gotten to see him being. Um, you know, throwing Han around, being just more of a, a physical threat, as opposed to just having his, uh, it was what, his, whatever he, uh, I forget what it's called, but he's got that. Um, that fires the bolts or whatever. Uh, I think it's like a caster or something. Someone will tell me and yell at me and say that I'm dumb for forgetting. Um, I liked the movie. It was not the best movie. It definitely wasn't Rogue One. Um, But, you know, it was a fun side adventure. Um, You get to see, you know, the origin of a lot of things. Um, I actually really liked, again, this idea that there's an optimism of youth, youth and that as much as Han's been hardened by the streets, uh, he has that kind of more you know, optimistic side that he wants to believe and over time that will kind of go away and that's just the way that life is until he meets a certain farm boy and an old man um, but uh, I like the idea that, you know, there, there, there's that... that. Um that line that obviously calls back to the classic Star Wars line of, you know, I've got a bad feeling about this. And he's like, I've got a good feeling about this. Like, you never get to hear that. Um, that's never something that happens. So it's a nice way of flipping the script. I'm sure that some people are probably groan and say, oh, well, that's funny. You just reversed the original. Um, which is true. That's exactly what they did. But, you know, it's a way of playing on expectations and, again, highlighting the, the, both the arrogance and optimism of youth before he becomes a little bit more hardened. And so seeing a Han who's still a little bit more full of promise and hope was interesting. I like the idea of the, the way that he, you know, got off of Corellia and then it didn't end up working out at all. Uh, and then it ended up uh, in the mud. And I thought that was interesting, too, because it's not necessarily what you expect of Solo. You just expect that he's a flyboy. So seeing him as a, you know, kind of do more of an infantryman, infantryman idea was, uh, was an interesting direction to take it. Uh, again, I loved Woody Harrelson. I thought he was great in the role. Um, you know, this character kind of flies on the edge. Um, and now I forget the name of the actress who's his love love interest who dies pretty early on. Um, it's interesting how the crew keeps changing and they keep losing people, but I thought that was cool. I really like Paul Bettany as the kind of the, the gangster villain. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they didn't really like they kind of mentioned the huts, but in the you know a gangster on Tatooine, but they didn't really go much further than that. Um, but I guess they didn't have to. I mean, we, we get it. We know who that is. We know what he's eventually going to be doing. You know he's eventually going to be doing some smuggling for Jabba, and that's going to go really sour, and that's how, kind of how we meet him. I did like the idea of him kind of learning about people having a price on their head because that's how we first meet Han is that he's got a price on his head. So there's some nice callbacks. And, again, kind of Beckett's story is not that in some ways not that dissimilar from part of Han's, but Han has a more heroic end ahead of him. Um, but no, I, I, you know, I dug it. I, I enjoyed the movie. Again, I don't think it was a great movie. Um, but it was an enjoyable movie. It wasn't bad by any means. Um, I'd probably watch it again. I, it was a little long. I mean, I think that's true of most modern movies. Uh, it was a little long. Um, and, but I don't necessarily think it... It um, it lagged either. I think it just had a lot of things it wanted to do and wanted to go through a lot of different motions because we have a lot to pack in there. Like it's not just the heist. We want to introduce him and how he even gets involved with these people before the heist even happens. And even the the main heist is only after the first heist goes poorly. Like so, there's a lot of kind of set pieces to put together so you can establish this world and establish um, the main storyline that's going to be propelling Han throughout it. Um, but I, you know, I dug it. I thought it was, you know, enjoyable uh, for the most part, briskly paced. Um, you know, and it felt like a Star Wars movie. Uh, it definitely had a lot of, you know, kind of the, at times, almost cheese ball humor. And you have the, you know, the prolonged, we're going to escape, or, we're going to get out of here. Um, and, you know, and they, they're they able to escape just in the, head, uh, the nick of time. It's interesting to have a, a Star Wars movie where the Empire or like kind of the main you know uh military power is not really the adversary, and it's more just other people out there. I guess the one thing that bugged me a little um just because I don't know if it was presented that well was the idea of that uh, the other group that is kind of uh in the way of you know the crime syndicate, and it's because they're you know people who are survivors of what's been done to them and they they're trying to you know kind of disrupt the criminal network and when they kind of had the, the mask come off of the main character and it's like this younger woman. I was confused at first if it was supposed to be Beckett's, like, like daughter or something. Like, I just, it felt like a weird moment, and I don't know if they really did enough for the viewer to understand kind of where they were going to go with that. Um, And, I don't know, it felt a little on the nose, but it was okay. The idea that, kind of that you're seeing Han be involved with other rebellions earlier, um... You know, uh, people who have been spurned and uh, gone under tow by a, a regime. In this case, it's more of you know a crime cartel. But later, he's going to be part of the rebel alliance. So this is kind of sowing the seeds for him being a rebellious person, but also not necessarily taking part because he wants to. Like he, you know, he he gets involved and he's doing the right thing, but you know, he's not. He doesn't stay to help them afterwards. He goes and lives his life, and that's very much the way that we're kind of supposed to think of him in New Hope as well. Um, I mean, this movie. Does it work without New Hope? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, obviously there's deliberate callbacks, but uh, they don't need to be there. And I think you could watch this on its own merits. Um, if you've seen the other movies, obviously it adds a fuller picture, um, and you have more of a sense of, of what's going on. And the Darth Maul reveal is mind-boggling if you don't know who that is. So you kind of need to have some semblance of you know Star Wars knowledge. Um, I think, that, again, that's the weirdest one for me, and I think that didn't need to be there. But, uh, yeah, uh, overall, I enjoyed the film. Uh, thank you for listening to this solo podcast of Solo, A Star Wars Story. You can reach me at comic shenanigans at gmail.com, like the show on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again. Catch us next time. We'll be uh, having a conversation with a comic book professional, uh, to be determined. There's a couple that I'll be interviewing soon, so depends which one goes first. I think it's Pete Woods next week, but uh, we shall, we shall see. Um, Also, you should uh, go download the uh, Cave of Solitude podcast. Uh, If it sounds like a Superman-Batman podcast, it definitely sounds like one, Uh, but it's actually just general comic book uh, stuff, although I... When I was on the most recent episode, I got to talk uh, at length about uh, Superman, uh, The Man of Steel, by John Byrne. Um, so even though it's not a Superman podcast, we did talk about Superman. Anyways, you should uh, go and download that episode. It's, uh, it's I, well, I mean, I am obviously biased, but I thought it was pretty enjoyable. And uh, in a few months, I'll be doing two episodes of the Epic Marvel podcast, uh, which is talking about the Epic Marvel collections. Uh, specifically, we'll be doing two back to back. Um, Uh, or uh, just back-to-back episodes focusing on the Spider-Man epic collections. In fact, there will be successive volumes. So it's building off of the Cosmic Adventures one. Uh, We do, I believe it's Sinister Six and, uh, what was the other one? Round Robin, I believe. I can't remember the exact names for the epic collections, but the ones that come right after Cosmic Spidey, which was the first uh, epic Marvel podcast that I did with Curtis Finlay. Uh, So you should go download uh, those as well, as those come due, and he's got new episodes up every couple weeks, so you should listen to those anyway. They're pretty enjoyable, uh, especially if I'm on, right? Just kidding. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.